Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 249 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Zephron Olive, and this week we got a little bit of a small crew. Krim is out in Seattle for Command Fest Seattle. Couldn't actually make it to the podcast today, but the good news is the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard, is here. How's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth, what's going on? Uh, a lot, apparently. It feels like there's always a lot going on in Magic uh, these days. We actually have a pretty big and very list of stuff to talk about. We have some uh, Theros leaks for a set that's coming up in uh, January, I believe. Not going to talk individual cards, so if you're avoiding leaks, uh, no worries. We're not going to actually do any of that, but wanted to mention a little bit of it. We have some big commander announcements. We got Pioneer first paper turtle bid, Standard doing standardy Oko-y thing. BNR announcements, fish mail. So we're going to be jumping around today, going from topic to topic. But before we do, a quick reminder that our sponsor today uh, and our show is brought to you by Spikes Academy, and they're presenting a course about limited with Hall of Famer Ben Stark. And in the course, Ben will teach you how to build better draft and seal decks and how to evaluate cards in the context of limited. So get ready to crush your next pre-release tournament with Spikes Academy and their new limited course with Ben Stark. You can even use the code GOLDFISH to get a 5% discount at SpikesAcademy.com today. So thank you to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And let's jump right into it. We got a lot of ground to cover today. So Richard, what happened in the last week as far as Theros Beyond Death, a set that's still two months away, I think, from actually releasing? Yeah, Theros is end of January. It's the next standard set. And somebody opened six packs of Theros Beyond Death, and they posted all the contents on Reddit. So... Uh, we're not going to talk about specifically what is in there in case you're trying to avoid uh, getting uh, spoiled for preview season, but they're on MTG previews. Uh, we put up a video. Uh, it's important if you're following the game financially to know what's going on because we see uh, the new mechanics. We see the return of old mechanics, which may cause some price movements. There is the new Elspeth, the, the one mythic uh, they got in the packs, and then also a new art type on lands so a new take on lands which is pretty interesting so if you want to check those out uh you can check them out on the site and on the youtube channel and we're going to talk about the cards officially when they are uh, officially previewed during the the wizards preview season uh, i do have to say that the six packs this person opened we're pretty incredibly lucky, I think. Just like, if you look at the cards I got in those packs, they ran pretty above average, I would say. So yeah, so definitely some interesting stuff, especially if you do decide to take a look at the video or MTG previews and see the cards, especially pay attention to the mechanics. I think financially, those are the most relevant and kind of might tie into some cards that we already have in standard, especially uh, depending on what happens with like BNRs in the future and what the metagame looks like. But I would especially pay attention to that. And I don't know. I mean, I'm excited for it. I think Theros, I can't wait. I always like new sets, and Theros has a lot of nostalgia. Uh, returning to a set that we haven't returned to before. Elspeth, we knew was coming back because of art being spoiled, but people were wondering like how it would actually happen, because Elspeth was technically dead. So some juicy nuggets uh, in the league to keep an eye out for. So uh, as far as stuff that we can officially talk about, and is not a leak, we also got a pretty big commander announcement and it seems like Wizards is kind of all in on Commander and Paper these days, Richard. Oh, are you scared? I'm scared. So, <laughs> so there was a stream, and they announced, so basically, here's, here's what's going on. Next year, 
is huge. So the theme of all the articles this week on the mothership was like, oh, Commander is huge. Krim is at Command Fest in Seattle this weekend. Uh, but basically, they are upping their product releases to kind of match the demand they're seeing for Commander. So as part of Ikoria on April 24th, so that's the two standard sets from now, right? The one after Theros. The yeah. one after Theros. Five Commander Precons being released. So this time around, we had the Brawl set, uh, the Brawl decks released with Eldraine, a similar concept where they're just releasing Commander Precons with Ikoria. Two more Commander Precons as part of Zendikar Rising. I don't know why they went from five to two, but uh, <laughs> you know that's the that's the standard set after Ikoria. And then there will be a Command Collection Green in Q3, which are eight green Commander Focus reprints. So I, I guess this is kind of like the Spellbook series, except it's just generic green stuff. And then Commander Legends in Q4, a draftable commander set with two more commander precons. So a master and set. like 70 new legends, I think they said, in, uh, <laughs> in the Commander Legends set. So basically, Commander Legends is like Commander Masters. Then we have just a bunch more commander decks being tied to i think i don't know if they clarified this did you take this announcement to mean we won't have commander 2020 next year and that instead we're getting like these decks tied to each side or do you think they will still have commander 2020 it's not clear but i would assume they would still have commander 2020 i feel that's like one of their premier products and these are all bonus because otherwise they didn't do much right they kind of just like moved them around a bit right so I, I think we still will get the collection, but maybe we won't. I don't know. We'll need clarification on that. So basically, we're going to have new Commander something constantly, like six times or something next year, oh, like every man. other month on average. I think I'm excited for this. I like new Magic cards. On the other hand, I am like a little bit nervous about how these are actually going to work. Uh I feel like Wizards is... I don't like the cards that just absolutely uh, are designed to be staples in Commander and kind of go like a little too far. Like Arcane Signet's a good recent, uh, a, I guess, example of this where Wizards just pushes something really far and makes it so you almost have to play it in your deck. I think that takes away from some of the fun. So I'm a little nervous if we're getting Commander decks every couple of months. It's going to be really easy to kind of fall into that mode where you're just like, oh, like we make more Arcane Signets and everyone will be happy. So I think it'll come down to how they're actually like handled and designed but commander is huge like uh, apparently just watching social media the command fest seems like it was a massive success and i almost feel like this is wizard's long-term plan like moving competitive play more and more towards digital on oddly magic online and magic arena i can't <laughs> believe we're saying that like a year or two after the release of arena but it kind of seems like that the is the direction they're heading and then focusing paper more and more on these big casual events and casual uh formats so do you want more okos because this is how you get more okos Seb. <laughs> i i am very concerned about this so i i love the idea of commander masters so reprinting old cards because commander is very popular now getting the older cards can be a challenge because they're expensive so i love that idea i don't like a new product every couple months because it's a new product right so they're putting the effort into making it it has to be playable like people will need the cards right otherwise they're not going to buy the product which means you're going to keep pushing power level you're going to have to keep like one upping the previous set so 
until now, we've had to do this once a year during, you know, the commander sets, right? And that's okay. But if you have to do it like every couple months, like power creep will get insane and you're going to end up with what we have in standard, in modern, in legacy, where kind of like these formats keep changing all the time because they keep printing new cards like Oko that, you know, are pushed and then they're, they affect all the formats. And then commander, which is supposed to be this format that never rotates, that you're supposed to be able to take your deck. Like your deck will be obsolete like a year from now because you have to replace it with all of the new, you know, OP green cards they printed this year. So I'm a little concerned. I, I liked it more when it was a natural progression. Like, you know, you, there was a standard set and there's this weird janky card that no one ever thought of that could be played in multiplayer and then you found it and then you can make a deck. Now you're just going to get these pushed arcane signets, you know, coming in your face. Like there's no deck building. There's no thought. You just put it in because it's the best card. So I'm a little concerned. I'm a little jaded from reading Reddit this weekend on all Magic subreddits complaining about power <laughs> level, but I'm a little concerned that Wizards has to sell product and they're going to push these cards. What do you think about uh, the the green? I'm trying to see the exact name. Commander Collection Green. Like This is about as close as we've gotten so far to Wizards just selling players singles directly. Like Eight cards is not that many. We're, we're like heading more and more in that direction, it feels like. Do you think that's a a good way to handle reprints? We're in a world where we don't have master sets, quote-unquote, although we kind of do because of Commander Legends. What do you think about this technique for reprints, these, like, really small box sets with a handful of cards? I mean, I, we've had them for a while, so I don't think it's anything weird. It's, like, from the vault. It's spell signature spellbook, signature series spellbook, whatever those things are called. It's the SDCC promos. So what are we going to see? We're going to see like some special bordered Harmonize, some special bordered Avenger of Zendikar or something, right? Like we're going to see some alternate art or special bordered versions of these cards and they're going to sell. And they've been doing this for a long time, except instead of the theme being Gideon, it's now green cards in commander i guess that's true although eight isn't very much at least like from the vault was what like 15 20 like it seems like they're getting smaller like we're the not that far away literally from like, eight right or is it 10 <laughs> spellbook is I like think, this small uh i guess yeah i guess spellbook is about the same it just feels like we might get to the point where it's like here's a here's a box with a whatever like with an yeah. oko in it like <laughs> you a can buy that oko promo, for 50 dollars right? yeah <laughs> i mean yeah like, the comic-con like ones there. are the closest right where there's like five cards you're literally just buying like five chase cards, right? So yeah, we're, yeah. we're getting there. And I, I think you're going to find them to be successful, right? <laughs> like if they put the good cards, I don't know what the good, what are the good green commander prints that like follow the, I would, like I think there'll be like a ramp, like uh, uh, Kodama's or, Reach or something. I would be shocked if Oracle of Moldiah wasn't in it. I think that's the commander card we need reprinted most. Or maybe it'll come in Commander Legends, but that's a green card that I think most desperately needs to be reprinted. Oh, it's like it's too expensive. almost 50 bucks now or something. I think it's too expensive for this product. Oh, maybe it'll be in Commander Legends. And did they give a, did they give a price on? No, we, we the, don't have MSRP nowadays, Seth. Come on. Okay. <laughs> you just gotta I mean, randomly guess. It could be like a hundred dollar box. You could put like doubling season, whatever, Oracle, and then some cheap stuff. Maybe I don't know. I mean, if it's twenty dollars uh, or I'm something, it's going to be signature spellbook Gideon level. Okay. Like, what was the most expensive card in there? Like, I, I think yeah, there'll be path. <laughs> good cards, like you know, but the good cards that aren't like through the roof expensive. I think the expensive cards will come in Commander Legends. 
because so, it's like a booster pack set, right? So you always want that chase card to make you crack more boxes, right? So I think that Commander Legends is by far the most interesting of these product announcements. Like, we've had Commander decks before. We know what those are like. You made a good comparison with Commander Collection being like signature spellbooks. Commander Legends, it's kind of like a master set, but there are some twists. 20 cards in a pack, which I don't think we've ever had. I can't remember a product that had 20 cards in a pack. Foil in every pack like a master set. Two Legends in every pack guaranteed. And... It's going to have a unique draft format. That's, I think, one of the most exciting things. Do you have any speculation of how you can make draft feel like Commander? Do you think you're actually, like, since you're getting a Legend every pack, you're actually going to draft a Commander and have to play within that color identity? I think so. Remember when we were at Magic Fest and someone had, like, a Commander draft cube? And we didn't have time to try it, but it was like a pretty cool concept where you draft a deck, and then somewhere along the way you draft a Commander, and then you draft more cards. Like, it would be weird if you drafted this set and then just played, like, limited. So I assume there's, like, maybe it's, like, you play Brawl or something. It's, like, a 30-card singleton deck with the commander. Like, maybe that is... Or 60-card deck, I mean. Maybe that's what happens instead of the full-blown 100-card version. But I assume you're going to have a commander. And you're going to play, like, commander when you draft this. That actually sounds really fun. I've never actually, like, tried that, but it sounds like a really cool idea. Also, (laughs) speaking of prices, uh, do you think they'll use 20 cards in a pack as a reason to jack up the price, even above master sets? 100%. (laughs) 100%. There's no way, right? They're not giving you cards for free. They're like, look, it's a premium product. (sighs) So you think it's going to be, like, $300 a booster box or something? No, maybe not. I don't know. I think it will be more expensive like i don't know if it'll be 300 dollars, but i don't think it'll be a hundred dollars so more than a normal set so more like a master set probably it is somewhere in the master set range yeah i expect it to be very popular like if there's one thing that we've learned over the past few years and keep learning is commander is huge like commander might just be the most popular format in magic period like even more than standard <laughs> like it, it is it is really big and i think that uh Providing more for those players is a good thing, as long as they can avoid like the arcane signet trap, which is my one main concern. I'm waiting for my my soul ring that produces two different colored mana. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> like, how long do you think before we get soul ring that like produces colors of your commander's of your commander? Oh, yeah. Jeez. It probably eventually. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Oh goodness. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, that would be. That would be a good mythic in the Commander Legends. <laughs> like, that would sell for a lot of money. <laughs> or like, oh, no, you know what we're going to get? We're going to get a a Commander Mox in that set. Guarantee. Be Guarantee. Mox a, a, Mox, <laughs> a, a Mox that just taps equal to, to uh, your Commander's color identity. Just zero mana. Oh, just a straight up it for, proper just Mox? Just straight up, straight up proper Mox, yeah. Oh, that, that actually be pretty sweet. But, yeah. ugh. <laughs> like it, like I hate cards that are auto includes in every deck, right? Like it, it kind of defeats the purpose of commanders. But yeah, I don't mind if they come naturally, but it really, I don't like them when they come like arcane signet. Like when you think about it, like if you're playing green, you're gonna play whatever cultivate in almost every deck. But that's just a card that they put in the set because you know it was a it was a magic card. It wasn't designed specifically to be a commander staple. So if it happens naturally, I'm kind of okay with it. Like Panormonicon, for example, 
you put that in every deck, but it wasn't designed to go in every commander deck. But when it's like Arcane Signet, that's when it bothers me a little bit. Are you bothered by the Battle Bond lands? <sighs> I give lands an exception for one reason. And this, maybe this is me like quibbling with semantics or whatever, but, uh, something like Command Zone doesn't, uh, or Command Tower rather, doesn't bother me like Arcane Signet does just because building a decent mana base is really expensive. Uh, and I think that having cards like Command Tower or, uh, the Battle Bond lands are a way that more budget friendly players can actually play a functional mana base when Arcane Signet it's actually like the most expensive mana rock. It's not like helping budget players by any means. Uh, it's just like creating a staple for no reason. So I tend to give lands a pass for some reason. Maybe that's not logical and maybe that's whatever hypocritical or something, but <laughs> that's so hypocritical. Me, they're both mana based things. Like, <laughs> but so have, the, re- the uh, reason is arcane scene is expensive, right? But over time, as they reprinted in every product imaginable, it'll come down in price and then it'll serve to function as a chief mana rock giving your budget decks a way to build respectable mana bases. Uh, but you already have a million cheap mana rocks. Like, the difference between Arcane Signet and the next best mana rock isn't as uh, impactful, I don't think, uh, compared to, like, the original dual lands and some random tap duel that a budget player has to play. Like, oh, I think yeah. it helps eh, budget players more when it's lands i don't know we're getting off track here so <laughs> we're getting off track which which of these which of these products are you personally most excited for richard and then we're going to move on from commander to other formats i i am actually most excited to see the icoria commander precon because i'm curious what these will look like are they full-blown commander decks with you know 10 new cards per thing or 10 15 new cards per deck or is it just like one arcane signet and all the reprints from Ikoria like in there. So I'm curious what they look like and how how can they make it so distinct? It's like kind of overload, right? Like when the set releases, if you're a commander player, are you buying standard packs or are you buying commander precons? Like now there's a little overload. So I wonder what's going to happen. Uh, I think they did say there's going to be 71 new cards that are not in draft boosters that are in... Uh, that are in the Ikora Commander decks. So we know there's going to be a lot of new cards, but yeah, I'm curious about that too, although I think I'm most excited for Commander Legends. I think the idea of a draftable uh, Commander booster product is really cool, and it gives us a home for reprints that we really desperately need. Like, maybe this is where they reprint fetch lands or some other cards that we just desperately need for other formats. So will you be excited when I tell you there's probably no way you'll ever play it because it's not coming on Magic Online or Arena? (sighs) (laughs) That's what I don't like about this product. I'm like, how am I ever going to draft it? Yeah, I wonder if they will put it I wonder if they will put it on Magic Online. Oh, I wonder... The one thing I don't know about this product, I agree with you that you're going to build a commander deck, but I wonder if you play a multiplayer game after the draft or you play 1v1. If you play 1v1, maybe there's a chance that it comes to Magic Online? Hmm? You're very optimistic. (laughs) I I, I think they're going to come in treasure chests, but hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, that's 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 probably true. Yeah, I don't know where I will get to play it. I really wish they put more of these cool things. Although I guess, and sometimes you gotta cut wizards a little slack. Like I understand why unstable doesn't come to the digital clients. Maybe this will be more like that, where it's just like so wacky and out there that it would be really difficult to make work in digital. But it is a little sad that I will probably never get to draft it. Yeah, that is a good point. Unless they surprise <laughs> it's, it's us like and put it on Magic Bond, Online. Right? Like, oh, this sounds so cool, but like we never played Battle Bond. 
well, let's move on from the world of Commander to the world of competitive constructed play. We had a bunch of big tournaments this weekend. We had, first off, uh, the first... I guess you would say large paper pioneer tournament, Nerd Rage Games. There's a little drama with this earlier, <laughs> earlier in the week, the beginning of last week, Nerd Rage Games was going to do a standard 5k, but then two players signed up and they were going to cancel it because they just didn't have enough people to, uh, to run the event. And the community kind of encouraged them to try pioneer. And I think they ended up with a couple hundred pioneer players after they switched. So we have our first big paper pioneer tournament and then we had two standard gps this weekend as well so uh richard did you get a chance to watch any magic this weekend uh i did not because i didn't want to watch elk mirrors <laughs> i i gotta say this was one of my favorite weeks for watching magic on twitch in a long time on saturday i got to watch the the pioneer tournament and it's kind of cool they do it like the old scg opens where it's all in one day so it's like eight rounds of swiss into a top eight all one day get the whole thing done so that was sweet and then sunday the other thing i didn't mention was eternal weekend so they had the legacy and vintage championship so i got to watch some of that too which was really sweet uh the pioneer tournament I kind of like where the meta's at. We have our first BNR uh, of our weekly BNRs coming out later today. But if you look through the meta game, even just the top eight, you have hardened scales. Is it Phoenix? Two devotion decks, an Abzan aggro deck, a Bant Nexus deck, a four color copycat deck. So the meta game is actually very diverse at this point. And we'll see if it stays that way. But for right now, the first big paper tournament basically matches what I've seen on Magic Online, which is, yeah, you play copycat and devotion kind of a lot in Arclight Phoenix, but other than that, you're probably going to play four different decks most likely in your five-round league on Magic Online. The format is just so diverse. Uh, have you still been playing any Pioneer, Richard? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty diverse. So here's the difference, right? So we're starting to see the top-tier decks separate from the pack, so your Copycats, your Phoenix, but each of those decks is like 3% Right. Like even like if you look at a top eight, like, you know, they're, they're not overrepresented. Maybe it's just because we're so used to Oko and Hogak now, but we're like, oh, look, it's so diverse. Right. So it's still good, even though there are top tier decks. So it, it seems like our experience from early in the format where you just bring any pile of junk and like do, do well, like still holds like it's reasonable. <laughs> right. It's you, you still have game against the good decks in the format. They're good. Maybe. You know, they're better than your deck, but they're not so much better that they run away with the field. So if you look down, if you look down the top 32, there's definitely some jank that kind of made its way in 16th place was uh, Soul Flayer. (laughs) Uh, 17th place was Golgari Seasons Pass. Do you remember the Seasons Pass deck from Standard? Basically the same idea where you just like Seasons Pass all your stuff back then Dark Petition to get Seasons Passed and do that every (laughs) single turn and grind (laughs) grind out value over the course of like a million turns. Uh, And then there was a really cool Caleb D deck that was like four-color Siege Rhino. It was just kind of like Siege Rhinos and Random Removal and uh, Glory Bringer. Just kind of like jam every good mid-range thing together and cross your fingers that your mana works out. They got 31st place. So I'm still really loving uh, where the metagame's at right now. Are you expecting Are you expecting changes with today's BNR? I don't know. Like, I don't think we need changes yet, but it's Wizards. Who knows what they're thinking, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, th- there's clearly decks that are better. And there's clearly cards that people complain about all the time, even though they may or may not be impactful. <laughs> like, is Treasure Cruise really that broken? It's only broken in one deck, I think. Uh, so, 
I don't know. I'm I'm fifty fifty. Maybe they do something. Maybe they don't. But either either way, I wouldn't be like outraged with whatever they did, right? Like there, there's reasons to do both. So I don't know. I think yeah. I don't know what to expect either, honestly. Although I will say. I think Nykthos or something from the Devotion deck, maybe Leyline of Abundance, I think that has risen to my top tier as far as uh, my banning watch list. I, that was not even on really? my radar heading into the format, and I have consistently seen the Green Devotion decks to be the most broken decks in the format. Just like, absur- they can do absurd things. They can't be beaten by Sweepers, what if just especially. Like pyroclasm? <laughs> yes, that is the best way to deal with them. But they're so explosive that they are to the point where they can occasionally have like turn two Nissa, turn three Ulamog or something. Like they can be so fast that even if your opponent can stick a Nissa or a Vivian before you can sweep the board, you're so far behind, even if you sweep the board, that uh, it sometimes doesn't matter. So I think Nykthos and then Copycat would be the two things on the top of my ban list. Although I think I could easily see no changes. I'm perfectly fine with waiting. We have the SCG Invitational in a couple of weeks, so another big tournament. We have more Moto tournaments. Uh, I'm perfectly fine with uh, waiting a little bit longer before any changes are made, but I don't know. I think there's a chance that Wizards is going to ban something, but kind of like you, I, I'm going to be fine with it either way, I think. Yeah, I feel like all of these decks have answers, so I would hope they don't ban. Like, four-color copycat is such a greedy deck. Like, you just, yes, like, bolt the mana dork and they're dead, right? <laughs> like, you know, if you're really worried, you, like, kill the Oath of Nyssa, right? But, like, you can... It's really hard to sustain four colors in this format. And then same with uh, the Devotion decks. Like, you know, you see people vomit, like, six mana dorks out in turn two, and then they're trying to top deck their bomb. Like, any sweeper during this time when <laughs> the game is over. But people are just not playing it yet, right? Because either the deck is not popular enough or, you know, they're they're just not willing to commit the cards to it but you know nothing seems so unbeatable so i I would i would hope to give it a little more time for people to adjust the meta because we've only had like a handful of tournaments right that people can see uh what the top decks are because other than this it's just wizards uh league dumps which they they just always select a wide variety of decks so you can't tell what's going on right so only from the top eight of events we've only had one paper tournament uh, you know, a handful, like a challenge in a PTQ online, and that's it. So, yeah, it's definitely super early, and I'm fine with no changes. I will say, if you're playing against a devotion deck, Sweltering Sun's Anger of the Gods, so good in that matchup because not only does it get the mana dorks, but it also gets any lands that happen to be turned on by Nissa. So, you can kind of get the Armageddon sometimes too with one of those. So, uh, and I don't see a whole lot of those seeing play in a lot of these lists that are in the top eight. So, I think maybe that's how the metagame develops is more like in that direction because it seems like a really solid answer to, uh, to that type of strategy. On the other hand, so Pioneer, very diverse. We're both enjoying it. The tournaments were diverse. We'll see what happens with the BNR, which is coming out. Probably it'll be out by the time the podcast goes live. They said after lunch specific time. So uh, sometime this afternoon. <laughs> as far as standard, a little less diverse. We had two Grand Prix this weekend, one in, uh, I believe, Europe and one in uh, Japan. And... I believe that one of them was seven of eight of the top eight decks were Oko, and then the other was six of eight. So, uh, altogether 13 of 16 in the top eights. And even that kind of like understates the dominance of Oko, which 
I believe was 57% of the day two decks at one of the tournaments. And the other one, it was like 30% of day one, 40% of day two, and then 75% of the top eight or something. So just basically absolutely dominant performances from Oko food decks and standard. Yeah. I don't know what else more there is to say about this. It's, it's a good card and there is no answer. Apparently people have been trying and everyone has decided that the best way to fight Oko is with more Okos and. <laughs> I, Here we I are with $800 standard, right? Like, <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, I think that might be kind of the, the scariest part of the whole thing is that Oko is dominating. And if you look at the decks that are trying to beat it, they're playing like main deck Noxious Grasp, main deck uh, Mystical Disputes. Like they're loaded up. I've heard some people on Twitter be like, oh yeah, just like build your deck to beat it. People complain too much. What more can you do than play for Noxious Grasp and for Mystic Dispute in your main deck? Like how much more hate can you pack into your main deck and still uh, not be able to consistently beat Oko? Well, so the problem is the Oko decks are running all of this. Like that tells you something where you can afford to have like four to eight dead cards main deck for the mirror. And then if you play a non-mirror, you're so far and above them, it doesn't matter that you have these dead cards in your deck, right? Like, I don't know. It's, it's tough. And these hate cards aren't enough because of Veil of Summer, right? Like, it's... So I, the, the best thing I read was it's Cryptic Command for one mana. <laughs> right? I mean, like, that's, I'm like, that's yeah, basically it is, true. Right? <laughs> it's ca- like, ask him, what's his most favorite mode? Like, counter draw. Here it is. Counter draw <laughs> on one green. <laughs> right? Like, oh. okay... <laughs> so complicating all of this is we have another mythic championship this weekend uh and it's a standard mythic championship it is a paper mythic championship which means we do get some rounds of limited uh on top of our standard what are you thinking uh as far as the metagame there are you expecting the mythic championship pro tour metagame to be similar to what we're seeing in these less prestigious tournaments like 40 50 percent food decks or do you think there's a chance that the pros figure out how to beat oko somehow and and all this goes away so i'm hoping that this is magic from like five years ago where you can actually go into a tournament and have like a rogue deck pop out but we haven't had that happen for a really long time like today's age like you're your online tournament results basically are the metagame. And what pros do is, like, pilot your decks really well, right? Or, you know, they tweak one or two cards. Like, maybe that Noxious Grasp is a Noxious Grasp, or maybe it's not. I I don't think there's going to be some, like, crazy deck that they have figured out and they've been hiding that will, like, smash Oko. I think they'll just all play Oko. You'll see slightly different tech. Like, like basically what we saw in the last Mythic Championship, right? Some people brought Disdainful Stroke. Some people brought Deputy Detention. Like, there was secret tech for Golos, and then that was it. So I think there'll be secret tech for Oko, which will be in the Oko decks to beat the Mirror. And then we'll just see a lot of long, slow, grindy <laughs> matches. Very few backup feature matches. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically what I'm expecting, too, is I, I kind of feel like if people had figured out how to uh, beat Oko in Standard, we would have seen it by now with Magic Online and GPs and stuff. So, uh, expecting a lot of Okos, what do you think uh, we are two weeks, I think, the week after the Pro Tour, like eight days after the Pro Tour, is the next BNR? Do you think they will actually have the guts to ban Oko? Well, what can, so they could ban the goose. They could yep, ban they, Oko. They could ban Nissa. Crossus, once upon a time. Although I don't even 
really, I, I actually had someone once upon a time against me yesterday. I, I played a game of standard and, uh, they once upon a time didn't whiffed, which is kind of the downside of playing once upon a time with 10 planeswalkers and a bunch of noxious grasp. I don't think oh, I've never, ever seen anyone whiff on it before. That never happens to me for some reason. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Someone has to do the math. Like what, what, are, what, what is the math of getting a turn one goose? Cause I always seem to have it. <laughs> like, like the once upon a time always comes through. Like, I, I don't know. It makes the deck so consistent. Yeah. So uh, it's gotta be Oko, right? Like that's what I feel like. But, I, but I, do people just be like, "Oh, we didn't need Oko anyway." The the secret was turn three Nissa. I feel turn three Nissa is not as strong, but I don't know. Maybe maybe that is it, right? I mean, if you ban Goose, you can just play Abriel Grazer. I guess is a one mana. It's it's worse. It's definitely worse than Goose, but that still kind of keeps you on the same curve. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to this Crassus, is. So you can't go late. Yeah, that would that would stop you from refueling, and then maybe just playing a bunch of Planeswalker removal, like Noxious Grasp and Murderous Rider would be enough if you don't have the refueling power of Crossus. Or maybe they, they just, just play, bad like... Breeding Pool. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're done with this. Breeding Pool. <laughs> Watery Grave, gone. <laughs> I think it's got to be know. Oko. I think it's got to be. I think Oko... I think we've reached the point where Oko is the greatest planeswalker of all time. I think it's beaten out Jace. I really do. Like, just even discounting standard, uh, it's obviously insane in standard. It's posting results in modern. It won the vintage championships yesterday. We got to see a alpha black lotus win, win vintage championships by being turned into an elk, the most expensive elk <laughs> in the history of magic. Uh, it's been showing up in legacy tournaments, top eights all over the place at modern tournaments and Urza decks. I don't think we've ever seen this before. It is, it is, I'm just shocked. I'm absolutely shocked by how good Oko is, uh, across literally every format in magic. But Commander. <laughs> I think it's even good in Commander. <laughs> Which is uh, kind of funny because when I first saw Oko, I think that's what I said. Like, oh, Beast with every turn. This will probably be a decent Planeswalker in Commander. Uh, but I don't know about Standard. With this food, it only gains three life. So I don't know. Maybe they, it's fine. Who do they, they banned Cop, they banned Felidir Guardian, right? For a copycat combo? They did, yeah. Because I feel like since Oko is kind of the face of Eldraine, that they're going to try really hard not to ban Oko. And maybe we see, like, remember when we had the energy banning and they banned, like, Rogue Refiner and Attune with Ether or whatever? Maybe maybe we just get multiple food. Maybe you go, like, Gilded Goose, Wicked Wolf. <laughs> and you're like, sure, play your Okos, but you can't have any other food support cards. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. It, it depends on if they... So here's the question they, they have to do, right? Like, do you bury this deck into the ground, right? You can ban enough pieces that it is not usable, or do they try to keep it a deck, right? Like, uh, if we ban Gilded Goose, you, you probably still have a deck. And then the risk they run into is that deck is possibly still the best deck in standard, right? So then they didn't accomplish anything. Or if they ban too much, then the deck is useless and it's scrapped anyway. So even though Oko is theoretically not unbanned, or not banned, no one plays them. So effectively, your marketing, you know, front is gone, right? So I, I don't know, but I feel like they got to do something drastic because people, people don't like standard, right? It's expensive. They have Pioneer. Everyone's jumping to it. Like everyone is just like taking every opportunity to like knock standard when it's down. So I feel like they actually have to make a dramatic change to to fix it. Yeah, like, I think. 
they definitely yeah. don't want to ban Oko, uh, the face card or one of them of their most recent sets. If it was printed two sets ago, I think there's no argument. Like, Oko just would end up getting banned. But if there's one thing we've seen from past bannings, uh, it's when attendance starts to drop. That's when, when wizards will do things they wouldn't otherwise do and just based on what i've been seeing and there's no way to really tell for sure with arena but a lot of people are saying like oh i'm not playing arena as much as i used to because of this we definitely have seen both the scg invitational and uh also this nerd rage game series switch away from standard to pioneer because of attendance issues like not just people not signing up to play the events and obviously some people are like oh maybe it's because of command fest but clearly they had two people sign up for standard and then almost 200 for pioneers so it wasn't just that everyone was out of town at a command fest or something there were people there that could play magic but it was a format that was keeping them away so i think maybe just because of like the attendance issue and if they really do see in their metrics that people are playing less arena or playing uh spending less time on arena because of the metagame i think that might be enough of a justification that they would just kind of like hold their nose and ban oko even though they really hate to ban the face card of their most recent set yeah so so you think oko is this our conclusion oko will go and only oko I'm going to say Oko. I'm going to say that the attendance issues are the thing that puts it over the top. I think Wizards would rather ban Goose or ban Nissa or something, but I think I think maybe, unless something really changes in the next two weeks at the uh, Mythic Championship or other tournament results, I'm going to say Oko goes at the next BNR. I think that's reasonable, but I'm going to say Krasis and Nissa. I mean, a, that, a would, that would probably good. That would probably get the job done. Then you lose your top end. Uh, then then you lose these cards that are kind of old anyway, and like no one cares too much. But then That's you true. still have the food mechanic because you know they want to showcase the food mechanic. Yeah, I, I think that would be also a reasonable banning. It's less uh, impactful as far as rotation as well, since those are both cards that would leave at the next rotation, and Oko and food would be around for the next two years. Uh, so. I can see that being a reasonable uh, trajectory. Oh, but I feel like a deck may still be too strong. <laughs> you, you just plug in some other top end and keep going at it, right? Like, so I, I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I don't know if that would actually get the job done. <laughs> yeah, I think it would definitely be a disaster if they, like, ban Nissa and Crossus and then Oko still dominated Standard. Oh, man, if you think the complaining on the Arena subreddit and every subreddit is bad now, imagine if they banned pieces and it was still like this. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so uh, I think that those were our main topics. Do we have anything else that uh, we wanted to hit on today, or is it fish mail time? Uh, nope, it's fish mail time. So if you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. PM. with Pioneer taking the spotlight and Modern's power level continue to grow... When do you think it's time for Watsi to consider unbanding Pod and Twin? Would they even be good enough with the brutal speed and efficiency of the format today? Who? This is an interesting theory, and I like this question. I uh, was having a conversation with someone the other day, and we were talking about the future of modern. And the theory that we were talking about was that uh, Pioneer will kind of take modern's place over the next couple years, and that uh, modern will kind of take Legacy's place. And because of that, 
Wizards might feel a little bit more okay about letting more power into the format with maybe like more reprints in future Modern Horizons. Maybe we see like Rishin and Poor or Wasteland or stuff that we wouldn't see before. Uh, not powerful legacy cards that are not on the reserve list. If that's the direction that they go with Modern over the next couple years, I could certainly see Splinter Twin being okay for the format, Birthing Pod being okay for the format. Like at that point, why not? If you're going to make Modern your legacy format where kind of anything goes, uh, and Pioneer takes Modern's place as the GP-level Eternal format. Yeah, it's not even clear to me these cards are good anymore. So I think they should actually just let them in, right? And if your format is slightly faster, fine, right? But, you know, we, we do have, like, Pact of Negation and things like that these days to, like, fix this, right? Like, nice birthing pod, bro, like, Force of Vigor or whatever, right? Like, I don't know, like, we have all this free stuff. So I don't know. We have all these combos that are just as fast. So I don't actually know that these are that strong nowadays. So I do think you're right that they should just let it loose. And then if modern is slightly stronger, then so be it, whatever, right? But, you know, you have Pioneer now, which is, you know, your turn five format or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, Bernard Seymour one. What would be a fair alternate cost for a free non-conditional counterspell? Perhaps... Four blue blue with a line of text reading, you may pay 10 life instead of a regular mana cost. Thoughts? Ooh. Hmm. Is it like Force of Will, like, fair? <laughs> force <laughs> like, of Will? Is it literally Force of Will, like, a card and a life? Is that too cheap? I think Force of Will is pretty fair. I, I always think about that. Like, would you even play Force of Will in standard? Like, maybe you can no. because a five mana counterspell isn't absolutely the end of the world, but I don't even think Force of Will would be good in a format like Standard, or really good in a format like Pioneer even, because the power of Force of Will is you use it to stay alive against unfair combo decks, but if you're playing Legacy and not playing against an unfair deck that's going to kill you on turn one or turn two, you want you don't want them in your deck. You'll sideboard, that's the first card you sideboard yeah. out, because you don't want a two-for-one yourself to, like, stop a Tarmogoy for whatever, like, uh, so I think that Force of Will is actually a super fair card. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I think Force of Will is fine. I mean, we've seen Force of Negation, right? Like, that's fine too, right? Like, I, the in, in fair matches, you, you the, the two cards counts, right? The reason it's good against combo is because combo spends like five cards or something, right? And it, if you stop their combo, they're dead. So the fact that you spent two cards is okay, right? Uh, but, you know, in a grindy matchup, you know, spending two cards to deal with one is actually not very good. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Loving board games. Conspiracy theory. Did wizards leak Theros Beyond Death spoilers early to distract from all the Oko talk? That thought crossed my mind, but I think the reason, the main reason, uh, well, there's a couple reasons. I kind of believe the story that someone opened the packs because, uh, there was a lot of, like, information. I don't know where the packs came from for sure, but someone definitely opened the packs. There's enough uh, public information to kind of confirm that. The reason I don't think wizards did it intentionally is, I don't think they would have released the cards that they did. I think if they wanted to spoil something or leak something to take away from, to take away from all the Oko talk or whatever, they would have just like randomly leaked a few like medium rares or something. I don't think they would have just put random packs out there that showed off like the lands and Elspeth and some stuff that you would think they would really want to keep under wraps and use to hype the set. Like that seems excessive. If Wizards was going to leak this to change the conversation, you could do the same thing by showing off a handful of like uncommons or something and maybe a rare or two. And people would still be like, Oh my God, Theros leaks. 
I don't know, but it's so convenient, right? Like the height <laughs> of Okotok, like one of each basic land. Like what are the odds of that, right? Like an extended art Elspeth. Like what are the odds of that, right? Like, I don't know. It seems a little too convenient. It was like a very unfortunate if it was just, um, you know, luck. And, and the story, a lot of people point this out to me. The story seems weak. Like, what would Walgreens be doing with like packs like months before, right? So, yeah, so yeah where the I, packs I came from is definitely a little bit up for debate. I, I'm very convinced that someone opened six packs. Where they got the packs, that I'm not 100% sure on at this point. All right. Jews Arms to Plowshares. Is Ugin the ineffable playable in some version of Eldrazi in Pioneer? Ooh. Hmm. Is it? Wait, which which Ugin is used in the like the the mono green ramp deck? Uh the big one, I think. The good Ugin? Okay. The good the good one. I don't know <laughs> about Ugin. <laughs> I like a uh, Spirit Dragon, if you're a deck that can ramp into it. I think Ugin the Ineffable, I'm kinda meh on on paper you're like, oh, it'll make my Eldrazi cost cheaper, which it does. The problem is by the time you get down your Ugin, you've probably dumped your hand anyway, so it doesn't actually have as much value. What I want to try to do in Pioneer is some sort of like Ugin uh mystical pizza oven style deck where you can really kind of combo off with the cost reduction on Ugin. So I'm gonna say not especially playable in Pioneer. Alright. With the uh, next question, tactical. With the recent talks about difficulties in making erratic changes in paper, I wanted to suggest something. What if Wizards had a beta season for each of its new sets with a special beta symbol so players know it's a beta card? Watsi could errata cards post beta season, and even better approach would be take advantage of Arena and have a testing period. Hmm. I, I, I think printing time like breaks this all right because they have to like print these things like six months or a year in advance or something so after your beta you gotta wait for like another year yeah so with digital this 100 percent makes sense having a pre-season or having a beta test but with paper just the amount of time it takes to print cardboard send it everywhere and you gotta do it twice one for the beta <laughs> and one for the original i don't know if it's practical so I opened a couple of Brawl decks, and one of the cards in the Brawl deck was Corpse Knight, and Corpse Knight was accidentally printed as a 2-3 when it was supposed to be a 2-2, and then in the Brawl deck, there was a copy with the correct power and toughness with a little note that was like, uh, throw out the other one, basically, we made a mistake. I think with paper, maybe the easier way to do it, and cost might be an issue, is if you want a Arata Oko, let's say, you're like, all right, if you have an Oko, send it to us we will send you the new fixed version, like some sort of redemption program like that. Although you still are going to have copies floating around from casuals that like didn't get the message from wizards or something. I guess that's kind of a problem, but that seems like an easier way to do it in paper to me if you're going to go down the Rata road. Oh, that's not easy at all, right? Like <laughs> you got to keep doing this. I, I think the biggest problem is you, you have an Oko, but you go play, but whatever's printed on the card is not what the card is. And that's just like super confusing. Right. Yeah. And if we are to believe that most people are casual, they will never even hear about this errata. Right. So, you know. And it lasts forever. It's like weird. you got to remember, you got someone five years from now that puts an Oko in their commander deck. And how are they going to know? <laughs> like what happened five years ago and there was an errata yeah. or something. So. Uh, free jazz. I really like Arena, but I haven't sunk any money into it, so I usually play random piles of cards that deck. I'm stuck in gold tier one, yet I rarely play against Oko. Is this because my decks aren't good enough? Hmm. Mm, luck? I think I'm like 
gold tier one or something. I play Oko all the time. <laughs> I also play Oko, and then this is why I don't play Arena anymore. So <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think it's just random. Depends how many matches you played. But it could be people are just tired and they're just playing whatever brew they want to play. And if that relegates them to not winning as much, they're fine with it. Or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Colin adding, do you think that the banning of Fetchlands and Pioneer is the final nail in the coffin for Watsi to print fetches back in standard? Or could they still exist with the smaller card pool of standard but stay out of Pioneer? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's still possible to reprint it. I think that Pioneer does, uh, in the bannings, does reduce the odds that we see them in like Zendikar a little bit. But I think it's still easy enough for Wizards to just add them to the ban list like they did the rest of the Fetchlands. Yeah, I, I think they can just reprint and ban. But the question may be... You know, the only reason they print fetch lands is for modern because they don't want fetch lands in standard, right? They, they just do it because it sells packs. But if they feel that modern is going the way of legacy and that no one plays it, then maybe they don't even bother printing fetch lands anymore. And I think that is actually a reasonable fear that they spend their time putting pioneer reprints into standard instead of reprinting fetch lands. Although. Although Fetchlands staples of the commander format, and Wizards does love true. commander. That is true. I didn't think about that. So maybe that's the reason we get a reprint. I, I think right now, if I had to choose with everything we've seen the last couple months, I think a reprint in Commander Legends is probably more likely than uh, Zendikar at this point. No, it's got to be Zendikar. I, 100%. Like after that article where Mark Rosewater is like, our biggest mistake with Zendikar is we didn't give people what they expected. It's like, how can they fetches. not put fetch lands? Like, like, did you learn nothing, <laughs> right? Like, we hear Zendikar, like, oh, fetch lands, right? So th- there must be fetch lands in Zendikar. So if they don't, I would be, like, surprised Pikachu, right? <laughs> like, I'd be like, really? <laughs> Behind all, with the large influx of new Commander products, is Commander moving too fast? It's a huge pool of cards, but all the new cards feel like they're drowning out the old. Thoughts? I mean, we kind of talked about that earlier, but... Yeah, I think that that is a concern with the the announcement of so many more products. I don't know if we're really there yet, but come back to me in a year after we see what Commander looks like <laughs> with all these decks and products and master sets, uh, then my answer might be yes. I mean, Oko just won Eternal Weekend, right? Like, like even if they don't explicitly do it, like the trickle down happens. So when they explicitly do it, it will be accelerated. So... Like we, we saw what, like we saw what modern masters did to modern, right? Or not modern masters, modern horizons did to, to modern. It basically changed the whole format. So I would expect a similar impact for, for these commander products. Uh, 11 vicious. One of my favorite decks was dagger burn in standard and I managed to win several FNMs with it. Is it? possible for you to make content for it in pioneer it incidentally hoses the Healy copycat and it plays panharmonicon what could be better than that it's on my list i haven't gotten to it yet but i would not be surprised if we were dagger burning on stream or in a video in pioneer before super long because i really like that deck too and i, I think there's a chance and we get like Clackbridge troll now another big addition to the deck so yes i do plan on revisiting it at some point in the near future all right chew cross 77 why do you think Watsi is choosing to focus so much on Commander? Is it because Arena is eating up Standard and Watsi is using Commander to be the primary source of paper sales now? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's what it kind of feels like to me, that Wizards is trying to move paper towards 
uh, towards commander and casual formats and trying to move competitive formats more towards uh, digital. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but this is our guess. So standard competitive play is arena. Mm-hmm. Modern legacy vintage pioneer is magic online and paper is commander is that is that what we think how wizards has finally decided how to slice up their pie and try not to cannibalize each other uh, i that's what it feels like to me I, and this doesn't mean we won't see whatever paper standard tournaments or anything like that but i think if you had to choose what each uh client or form of magic is focused on i think that's how it breaks down all right Last question, Biovac Pioneer. As a new MTG podcast on the block, do you have any tips for recording or spreading the word? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, well, it'll probably take you a while with recording. We, we did it by trial and error. And if you listen to some of our early episodes, we had all kinds of problems. The biggest change that we made as far as recording is, uh, at first we just kind of recorded everything together. One person recorded the whole call. If you can record separate, uh, vocal tracks for each person doing the podcast, have everyone do a local recording, it greatly improves, uh, your sound quality. So that, I think that's the biggest improvement that we made uh, over our course of podcasting. Yeah. And, uh, you will lose entire podcasts. Uh, <laughs> there will be technical difficulties. There will be robot voices and things like that but uh you just keep going right and i don't know just have fun i think i think you gotta have fun to keep going because it's not always gonna be easy but as long as you're just hanging out talking magic or or whatever uh even if no one listens it's fine because you're having fun so i I think you got to make sure that is is on the to-do list yeah agreed that is all the questions we have this week so thank you to everyone who sent them in if you have questions send them to at mtg goldfish with the hashtag mtg fish mail and we'll get to your questions on air and i believe that brings us to the end of episode 249 of the mtg goldfish podcast so richard thanks for hanging out thanks to everyone for listening and we'll be back next week with a mythic championship a pioneer bnr announcement in the book so we should have tons to talk about so we will be back to discuss that and whatever else happens in the world of magic so until next week this is the crew signing out